0: Welcome to the Heart Zone, featuring George Cannon. This broadcast is a time of teaching and encouragement from Kerwinsville Christian Church. For more information, we invite you to visit us on the web at www.kerwinsvillechristian.org. And now for a message from the Heart Zone. Here's George Cannon. You know, folks, we've been working our way through the Gospel of Luke. We've been taking what we
1: call an earth walk, looking at the life of Jesus. In particular, we're looking at the teaching of Jesus. We're in Luke chapter 12. We're going to be in the teaching of Jesus all the way up through the 19th chapter. What we've seen so far from Luke is, is that Jesus is giving some instructions to his disciples, which are the followers of Jesus, which is you. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, he's had some instruction here in this 12th chapter. Now, I'm going to be honest with you, what Jesus has been instructing us in is kind of radical. It's kind of, kind of goes against the norm of how we operate our lives. You say, well, what do you mean, George? Well, think about it. We go all the way back to verse 1. He tells us to be real, quit being fake. This especially happens when you come to a church. Is, is don't be like the hypocrites. Now what were the hypocrites? What was their problems? The, the Pharisees. Well, they, they acted one way in public to cover up was really what was going on on the inside of them. And, and let's be honest, we all do that, don't we? We put on our best face when we go out in public, and especially if we come into a place like this. And so he tells us not to be like that because the reality is ultimately the reality of who you are is going to be revealed at one point. I mean, you can look good on the outside. But ultimately, the reality of who you are is going to come out. He then goes on, we saw this again then, that he tells us then not to be fearful of other people. Because that's the reason why we cover things up, isn't it? The reason why we cover things up is ultimately because of fear. Because if you know what my weaknesses are, the fear is is that ultimately you're going to use those weaknesses against me. And in particular here, he's talking about being fearful of others as they know that you follow Jesus Christ. So he talks about us not being fearful, rather to fear God. He then goes on, as he continues on there, and talks about what our motivations are. He does it through the guy that is asking Jesus to help him with the issue of his inheritance. And Jesus is saying, you know, the issue with you isn't that you want what's right to be done. The issue is is that you want to have something to satisfy what's going on inside of you. You want more stuff. So don't focus your life on more stuff. And then he continues on, we saw this last week, That really the issue is we need to look to God rather than the stuff of life. Now, you think about that. He's telling us, be real, don't be afraid, don't be striving after this stuff of this world, get our priorities right. Where's he heading with all of this? Why does he want us to be like that? Because again, what he's asking us to do is is pretty radical. Because I'm I'm going to be honest, I'm going to take my life. I'm not going to talk about you for a minute. I'm going to take George just this week. Have I been fake this week? Probably. Probably have been fake. Especially when somebody says, how's your week going? If it's been going bad, oh, it's been great. That's fake. Have I been fearful of men? Yes. Yeah, I've been fearful of men. You'd be surprised how much we are motivated by the fear of men in our lives. Have I been consumed with the stuff of life? Yeah, you better believe it. Have I had my priorities not right? Yeah. Yeah, so I'm just going to be honest with you. What he's asking is, goes even against the norm of my life. It goes against the norm of everyday life here in this world. Now, okay, let me ask you a question then. You say, okay, George, what do we, what do, we do with this? Well, I think that's where we get to right now in verses 35 through 40, because he's going to tell us why he wants us to do these things. Why he is encouraging us to be this way. So I want you to notice we're going to look at verses 35 through 40. Let's kind of look together here and see what Jesus is saying. Let your waist be girded and your lamps burning, and you yourselves be like men who wait for their master when he will return from the wedding, that when he comes and knocks, they may open to him immediately. Blessed are those servants whom the master, when he comes, will find watching. Assuredly, I say to you, that he will gird himself and have them sit down to eat and will come and serve them. And if he should come in the second watch or come in the third watch and find them so, blessed are those servants. But know this. If the master of the house had known what hour the thief would come, he would have watched and not allowed his house to be broken into. Therefore, you also be ready, for the Son of Man is coming, and an hour you do not expect. Okay, folks, here's what we're going to do. We're going to divide this passage really into three sections here. We're going to look at the call. We're going to see what Jesus is calling us to here. This is the reason why, actually, these first few verses, these are the reason why he's telling us to do all this other stuff. Then we're going to see what the reward is. Okay, if I do this, what's in it for me? Isn't that what we normally ask? What's in it for me? And then we're going to see a done deal. And I'll explain that a little bit as we move on here. So let's notice, first of all, the call. He says some interesting things. I'm going to have to unpack it for you so that you understand. Look with me at verse 35. He says this in verse 35. And let your waist be girded and your lamps burning. What he's talking about here, girding, is, is basically in that day, men, guys, you may not like this, but in that day, men in Palestine wore long robes. And so men would wear, and typically they would go all the way down to their ankles. And that's what they would wear. Now, have you ever tried running in a dress that long? Ask a lady if they've ever tried running in a dress that long. It it doesn't work. So what they would do is, what men would do is, of course they would have a belt on, is what they would do in order to do something, to, to run or whatever, they would reach down into the middle of their dress and bring it up and tuck it into their belt. So their dress then becomes like a pair of pants. Kind of weird looking, but I mean, that's what they did. So what's he saying here? He's saying, okay, because then you're ready to do whatever. You're ready to run. You're ready to take on somebody because you're not going to be tripping over your hem. I mean, you're ready. This is what he's saying here. Live ready. Live ready. What is Jesus telling us here? He's saying, okay, guys, listen. All the way back to verse 1. Don't be fake. You be real. Don't be afraid of other people because of your faith in Jesus Christ. Get your motives right because your motives sometimes have to, more to do with what you want out of life than your sense of fairness. Don't be focused and prioritize your life on getting all this stuff because you really need to have your life prioritized on God. Why? Because you need to ready. All that other stuff, let's be honest with you, all that other stuff, it consumes us and it distracts us, doesn't it? So what do you mean it distracts us? Well, uh, how, you, how many of you, how many of you ever been consumed with something, of getting something? How many of you have ever had your focus on one issue, and that's all your thought process was—is that one issue, and really nothing else mattered? You weren't worth anything else. You weren't worth nothing at work. You weren't not worth nothing at school. I mean, you just weren't worth nothing because your thoughts, your consu- mind was consumed on one thing. How many of you have been there? I've been there. Some people call it love. You know what I mean? That's an example of it. Being consumed with somebody. You know, I, I, I remember, you know, Lori, uh, we were dating, I was consumed with her. I mean, back then, she could call me, I would drop everything for her now to talk to her. Now she calls me, I'm like, I'm busy. <laughs> That's wrong, though. I need to get consumed again. But this is what he's calling us to. is you know All those things are going to distract you from what's most important. Now you say, what's most important? Well, we're going to see here in a moment what's most important. The point is, is that he wants you to live ready. You gird up your loins. You get ready. Here's the other thing he says. Live watching. Now, where do you get that from? Look at verse 35 there. He says this. And your lamps burning. Live watching. Now, at our house... If you've been on our street on Anderson Avenue, there's no, there's no street light there for whatever reason. So it's dark at night. The creek's there. It's dark. And so if somebody comes and visits us, we have to turn the lights on outside the house so they don't fall over our odd steps or they don't trip on this and whatever. And especially during the winter, they're not slipping on the ice. So we've got the lamps burning. You know, Panalek has got my light bulbs burning. This is why, because we're watching for somebody, we're waiting for somebody to show up. Now, if we don't know you're coming, the lights are off, it's, you know, whatever happens, happens, okay? But this is the whole point he's talking about, have your lamps burning, so you just don't live ready. You live in such a way that you're watching. You're watching, you're waiting for someone. In fact, that's the next point here. Look with me, the third thing he says there is live with an expectancy, There needs to be an expectancy in your life. Look at me. Notice what he says there. And you yourselves be like men who wait for their master when he will return from the wedding. That when he comes and knocks, they may open to him immediately. So they need to live with a sense of expectancy that something's going to happen. I don't need to be distracted by all this other stuff. I need to live my life ready, watching, and with expectancy that something's going to happen. Now you say, okay, George, what in the world are you talking about? Here's what I'm talking about. Because this is the picture. I need to be ready. I need to be watching. And I need to have a sense of expectancy that God's going to show up. I need to be ready. I need to be watching. And I need to have a sense of expectancy that God's going to show up in my life. That's what he's talking about here. I need to be ready, I need to be watching, and I need to have a sense of expectancy that God's going to show up. Now let me just stop for a moment, because what I'm telling you is, it sounds like, and some of you are going to say, I agree with that, George, but I'll be honest with you, most of us don't live that way. Because we are consumed with the stuff of life. We are worried about stuff. We are worried about, we live with the fear of men. We live with this. We live with that. And and, we're, and our focus is everywhere else but where it should be. And the thought, even, the, even being communicated to you right now, that the reality that Jesus could show up in your life in a real way, it's like, well, that's a nice idea. And so we enter even into a place like this. You maybe have entered in here and you don't have any expectancy of anything. Maybe your expectancies are low. You're like, well, maybe I'll enjoy the music. And I hope you did. Or or maybe George will communicate something to me today that might apply to my life. And so your, ex- your ex- expectancies have to do with the band and your expectancies have to do with George speaking. But as far as God doing something, we're not ready for that. We're not anticipating for that. We're not watching for that. And this is what Jesus is calling us to. And I'm not just talking about the service, folks. Do you live your life that way? Is God real enough in your life? Is He a part of your everyday life enough so that tomorrow at this time you have an expectancy that is God going to show up? Is He going to show up in a mighty way in my life? And I have to say to you, I mean, if we're honest with ourselves, I mean, George right here, one who's communicating to you, is going to admit to you right now that on a day-to-day basis, even I don't live that way. But that's what God's calling us to. That's what He's calling us to. This is why I've been anxious about this message is because it's like, whoa, Lord, wow. Wow. Look with me what the reward is. If, if, okay, I, you, you're kind of saying, oh yeah, okay, Well, what if I do that? I mean, what's that going to look like? What's, what's the purpose of that, George? Well, look with me, there's a reward for doing that. If, if you and I live that way, if we live with an expectancy of God showing up, what does that mean? Look with me at verse 37 and 38. But blessed are those servants whom the Master, when he comes, will find watching. Assuredly, I say to you that he will gird himself and have them sit down and eat and will come and serve them. And if he should come in the second watch or come in the third watch and find them so, blessed are those servants. Here's what I want you to see. Jesus will bless those who are waiting. Jesus will bless them. Jesus will bless them. Ultimately, he's talking here about his second coming. When Jesus shows up, if you're ready for him, it says that you will be blessed by him because you were living your life in such a way that you were expecting God to show up. Jesus to show up in a second coming. And he will bless you. Now, let me just stop for a moment because sometimes today in our world, especially in our Christian world here in the West... We communicate so many different things about what blessing is, and so some of us think in terms of blessing means material blessing, or we'll have a lot of money, or we'll have a lot of health. I think at that point when Jesus shows up, none of that really means anything anymore. But what I think it means, though, is that there is going to be a blessing in your life, a joy, a happiness, a peace, beyond anything that you've ever had in your life before. Because Jesus is there. Because God showed up. Healing will take place. That's part of the blessing, folks. Healing. Now you say, what do you mean healing? Well, we've been singing about it a little bit. We've been talking about it a lot in our church. There is a collective pain here. The pain of your lives. You think you've covered it up. But you need to understand there's a spiritual dimension to it. And a lot of you are here today. You're walking in here with the pains of your life. Broken relationships, broken health, failures, guilt, shame, what-ifs, wishes that never came true, disappointments, heartaches. And they're here. They've never been dealt with. And you don't really understand and you won't really have any comprehension of what blessing is or what peace is or what joy is because that just doesn't seem real. And Jesus is saying to us in this passage that if he, when he comes back and people are waiting for him and watching for him because they long for him, they long for what He has to offer, He's going to bless those who are waiting. The most beautiful passage in the scripture to me is in Revelation chapter, I believe it's chapter 20 or 21, where he says that he'll wipe every tear from our eyes. There'll be no more pain, no more suffering, no more sickness, no more death. Isn't that awesome? Here's what happens. Let me just go ahead because I've, I've opened up a can of worms here, so let's just go ahead and dump it all out. You and I have gotten to the place in our lives where, yeah, I got that pain. Yeah, I've got those hurts. Yeah, I've got those disappointments. Yeah, I've got those struggles. Yeah, I've got the shame. Yeah, I've got all of the guilt. I've got all of that. But we have no expectancy of healing. We have no expectancy that someone will come and heal our lives and heal our relationships and our marriages and heal our families. We have no expectancy anymore. So we just, let's get back to what Jesus is saying. Beware the leaven of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. So we put on our best faces and come to church and sing songs to Jesus and tell Him we love Him, but we don't have any expectancy there. We're not ready for it. So we carry our scars. See, there's a reward for waiting. The reward for waiting is that you'll bless those who are waiting. The other thing is he will serve them. I think this is a pretty profound thing here. You know, we're, we're living our lives anticipating and serving Jesus now in whatever way, but, but the reality is, listen to me, the reality is, is look at what it says there. He's going to have us sit down and He's going to serve us. That's awesome, isn't it? What does that tell you about the relationship He wants to have with you? Where the God of the universe wants to serve you. Isn't that awesome? But there's a done deal here. See, this is what we've got to grasp. We've got to start living this way. We've got to live ready. We've got to live watching. We've got to live with an expectancy of God in our lives. Folks, we've got to start doing that. i got to start doing that. Why? Because it's a done deal. You know what a done deal is, Right? You know, you and I say that because we know something's going to happen. It's a done deal. hasn't happened yet, but you know it's going to happen. Here's what he's saying here. Look with me. Verse 39 and 40. Look at what he says there. But know this. I mean, talk about, you better be listening, he's saying here. Know this. If the master of the house had known what hour the thief would come, he would have watched and not allowed his house to be broken into. Therefore, you also be ready for the Son of Man. It's coming at an hour you do not expect. Here's what I want you to see. First thing, knowledge motivates. Knowledge motivates. He uses an illustration that all of us here would know, recognize and understand. He said, look, if you know when the folks who were going to break into your house and steal your stuff were showing up, you'd be ready. You'd have Smith and Wesson with you. You wouldn't even let them come on the property. You'd fire a water shot. We're here. We're ready. This is what he's talking about. Knowledge motivates. If you had the right knowledge, you'd be motivated. Here, let me bring it down to a level everybody understands because it's tax time now. And so all of you are, are getting your, your, your stuff ready to go see whoever it is that takes care of your taxes. Whether it's you, or whether it's H&R Block, or whether it's your uncle who knows how to do figures. I mean, somebody's doing your figures. And so you're, you're going in there, and then some of you are lucky here, you're going to get a tax return. And, and whoever is going to tell you, oh, this is your return this year. And you're going to be like, yes! And here's what you're going to do. You don't even have the check yet. You're heading to Walmart. Why? Knowledge motivates. Because it's just a matter of time before they deposit it in your account or mail you the check. You're motivated by Knowledge. This is what he's saying here. It's a done deal. You and I need to grasp it on the religious level. Okay, let's bring it back to what we were talking about earlier then. Okay, so there you are. You're carrying the guilt. You're carrying the shame. You're wanting healing. But there's no expectancy. Folks, we've got to start giving some sort of expectancy here. We've got to start believing that the God who heals can heal you. The God who restores can restore you. He can heal your marriages. He can heal your life. He can remove the shame and the guilt. Do you believe it? Then live that way. Live with an expectancy. You say, well, yeah, man, you don't know what happened today. You don't know what happened tomorrow. Man, it's like a long way off. It ain't coming. Yeah, if you're looking at it from your perspective. But if it's from God's perspective, it's because you don't you, you don't trust Him to show up in some way. See, knowledge motivates. If if you are motivated by the fact that God wants to do something, it's going to motivate you. Here's the other thing he tells us. You can count on his coming. You can count on it. He is going to show up. Are you ready? Are you living ready? Are you living watching? Are you living with an expectancy? Are you living? Are you ready? when we talk about expectancy of God showing up, I think it's more than just His coming here. I think God's going to show up in our church. But, but are you ready for it? Are you, are you ready for the God of the universe to show up in your life? Are you ready for Him to bring healing to your lives? Are you ready for Him to, to bring healing to your marriages? Are you ready for Him to heal the hurts of the past? Are you ready? Or, or, or do you not have any expectancy? It's coming. I don't know when it is, I just know we've got to take it moment by moment and we've got to start doing those three things. What are those three things? Here's what it is. We've got to start living ready. we got to start living watching. We've got to start living with an expectancy. God, are you going to show up in my life today? God, I need you. You say, how do you know this, George? Well, I've had to set aside something. i I got, I got more degrees than I need. And, and in, in my studies in school, I learned so much about how to run a church, what to do with a church, theories of this, what to do with that, how much you need to do this, what do you do about that. And so, I, you know, I'm worried about parking. Somebody said to me, you need to quit worrying about parking. If people want to be here, they'll show up. They'll find a place somewhere. And I realized, it was like God was saying to me, don't you get it, George? Get it through your thick head? I'm doing something different here. I'll be honest with you, it is, because I can't go to my books and say, oh yeah, I can see what's happening here, yeah. God is doing something different, folks, because he wants to do something here. The question is, are you ready? Are you ready? So let, that's, I guess I've already launched into my conclusion here. Are you ready? Or can I ask you this, have you given up? Have you given up? Because you thought there's no way, no way. I'm just going to have to live with these hurts. I'm going to have to live with this shame. I'm going to have to live with these disappointments. I'm going to have to live with this relationship the way it is. I'm going to have to live with this. I'm going to have to live with that. And uh, Help me to medicate myself with something. Are you ready? Do you have an expectancy of God showing up in your life? Which brings me to my next point then. Change. The focus of your life. Don't be consumed with that other stuff. Don't be consumed with being fake. Don't be consumed with worrying about living in the fear of men and living your life based upon what others are going to think. And don't don't be don't be focused on what you could get out of life and and the stuff you want. Prioritize your life in the right way. Jesus is saying, you changed the focus of your life. You you live your life waiting for me to show up there. you know what, you should end this day today saying, God, why didn't you show up today? Please show up tomorrow. Why didn't you show up today, Lord? Show up tomorrow. I need you. We need you. Change the focus of your life, folks. Change the focus of your life. So here's the action point. Here's what I want you to do this week choose to live in a way that pleases Jesus so what is that George what rules are you going to give no no folks I already just talked about it for a whole whatever it's you live waiting for him to do something choose to live that way because that's what pleases Jesus is that you're waiting, expecting the God of the universe to do something for you. In fact, you know what? Let me just kind of remind you of something. You say, oh yeah, he really wants to do something for me? Yeah, let's just go back a couple of verses here. We talked about this last week. We kind of brushed over it a little bit. But I think this is so powerful. Look with me at verse 32. Some of you need to mark a star by your Bible. Now, if it's a pew Bible, please don't write in it, okay? But I mean... Mark a star in your Bible by verse 32. It says, Do not fear, little flock, for it is the Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. What does that mean, George? God is excited and gets joy from ministering to you. The problem is is we don't expect him to do anything. You know what that tells me? We don't really understand our God. We don't understand how much He loves us and cares for us. Do you think he wants to see you broken? Do you think He wants to see you hurting? Do you think He wants to see you carrying the shame and the guilt? Do you think He wants to see your relationships broken apart? Do you think He wants to see you carrying that all around day after day with no hope whatsoever? Do you think God wants to see you doing that way? No! He wants to bring healing to your lives. He wants to give you the kingdom. It gives him joy to interact in your life. But you know what? You've got to start living in such a way, start thinking in such a way, start praying in such a way that you're asking God to show up. Show up. I need you, Jesus. Show up.
0: So where are you at? Thank you for being with us this morning.